As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. You ever run into anybody, like you're just out doing some errands, and you see like, I don't know, an old lady in the store, and she's talking to herself? And, and not just, you know, a little bit, but carry on full conversations. And you think, well, maybe she's on the phone or something, but, you know, she's an old lady and she has one of those flip phones that's really obvious if she were on the phone. She doesn't have like a Bluetooth device in. And you're thinking, I hope that I never just start talking to myself in public. Did that happen to you? I was at the pharmacy. <laughs> And <laughs> and I'm I'm looking at like cold medicine and I'm looking for the nasal spray and I'm going I'm, I'm just I found myself going okay let me see I uh, don't want that one because no that's and then I realized I was talking to myself and I'm thinking this is how it starts mm-hmm. pretty soon I'm gonna be that guy clanging down the hallway with bedpans on my feet like shoes. <laughs> Not long ago, I was in Target, and there was a woman in there having a straight-up conversation mm. about how much sugar was in almond milk. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> take a breather, right? But then I investigated, and do you know how much friggin' sugar is in almond milk? Like, that lady did me a favor. I am not sad about her talking to herself. I'm a better person because of it. Clang, 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 clang. <laughs> Here comes Jethro. Annie Hoosley, you go first. Do I? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's get right to this then, I say, uh, because actually I'm stalling because I'm posting something on social media and I want to keep talking because it seems like that will keep you from knowing what's happening. You want it me seems to like provide a... a little ukulele musical oh, interlude. That would be great. It's ukulele and the sound of banjo drinking water. 
All it's right. almost like you're in the South Pacific. It's, yo. I want to talk today about uh, something that I enjoy very much, and that's restaurants. Oh, I thought you were going to say wrestling. Oh, I do enjoy wrestling. Um, Big Show was my favorite for many years, yeah. uh, which is why uh, part of my, my cat now passed. Uh, uh, Albert's name was, was Big Show. Albert Big Show, Big, Big Head, Head, Mr. Mr. Biscuits, Biscuits, Tom. Tom. Yeah, yeah, I remember. So he was named, uh, in case you couldn't figure it out, after Big Show. No, I, I understood that. I liked Big Show. I want to start getting into that Mexican wrestling where they wear masks. What do they call that? M- Mucho Libre. Libre. Mucho Wait, li- mu- that's many books. Anyway. I just think that their outfits are fashionable. We are getting ready to go on our, our big trip. And which sounds like a euphemism you would use to describe where grandpa's going. Uh, but it turns <laughs> clang, out, clang, clang. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of our favorite things to do when we tootle about is eat at restaurants. And I thought, I bet there's some weird restaurants out there. And there are. Oh. All right. So let's start by talking about Bube's restaurant. Not sure that's how you pronounce it. It's B U B E, Booby. Boobies restaurant. Bubbies. I don't. I don't. I think it's boobies. Okay. So boobies restaurant is in Pennsylvania, and it's a brewery, and it is conveniently located underground. It's uh, located in catacombs, and uh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You've got to descend forty-three feet underground to get to the cellar that makes this restaurant. So the menu has some really high-end options, uh, including uh, what they refer to as grade A steak. I don't know if that's, is that a real thing? Is that how they grade steak? USDA grade A steak, yes. Oh, I don't know. Mm. That sounds made up to me. (laughs) Um, Lots of gourmet options. uh, And word on the street is that boobies is haunted. Now we're talking a haunted steakhouse. So uh, the <laughs> the the uh, cellar restaurant is said to host a ghost. Uh, ghost hunters have investigated the brewery and allegedly found evidence of uh, ghostly activity. Hmm. And uh, because of that, they've actually hired paranormal investigators to entertain diners with their spooky tales during. Dinner. Oh my so if God. you're enjoying your grade A steak, still don't think that's actually a thing. You can also <laughs> have like people with the boop boop machines uh, giving you the stories about what they've the, discovered. The boop boop machines. You know where it's like, Electro- are there ghosts in the, this room? The, and it's the, all like boop boop. The boop. EMF EMF machines. Is that what you're talking about? Or, I don't know. Or the uh, squawk box. The um, <clears throat> ghost radar. The Whisper Tech 3000. The the fact that you just said ghost radar mm-hmm. uh, makes the fact that you're trying to make the boop boops machine sound silly, sound silly. Like, okay, ghost radar doesn't sound cooler <laughs> than boop boop machine. Ghost radar is a real thing. Okay. It's an app. So's, so's great A steak. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> if, you, uh, if you don't want to go underground, though, maybe you want to go above the ground. Ha-ha. See what I did there? Mm. Segways! Oh, segways are on the ground, too. But these aren't, you're not dining on segways. I meant, it doesn't matter. Dinner in the Sky. This is uh, very possibly the only restaurant in the world uh, that requires that you wear a safety harness throughout your meal. Really? 
Dinner in the Sky. Oh, I saw something on this. <laughs> you have to climb up the side of a mountain, and then you you stay in these little huts, right? No. Oh, okay. All right. There's the, something else then. But, I mean, that sounds great, too. It, yeah, and they you have to climb... You have to put a safety harness on to go from one pod to another that are hanging off the side of a cliff. Oh, wow. And they serve you like a, a, a seven-course meal up there. Well, And then you can stay the night, which is good because they serve wine. And who wants to climb down a cliff after wine? That's a great point. Mm. The uh, Dinner in the Sky began in Belgium in 2006. And since then, uh, designed uh, restaurants to mimic it uh, with a crane have visited 40 countries. Uh, so uh, if you enjoy a high-rise dinner, then maybe Dinner in the Sky will come to you. Uh, it is one table. So dinner is served at one table uh-huh. uh, that is suspended 160 <laughs> feet in the air via a crane. Are you in a room or is it just No, like... it's just a table. <laughs> <laughs> and a maximum of 22 people can attend each sitting because you're just sitting at a table. 22-seat table? Yeah. Uh, lifted no by walls, a crane. No walls. I'm assuming there's some sort of a platform. I mean, I think because you have to put your feet on something. Yeah, yeah. And the, I mean, obviously, the chairs are connected to the table somehow. Right. Or the or the platform. Right. Or, or whatever. That's what I mean. Okay. That's that's interesting. Yeah. They should. You know what they they should take it to the, to the next step. If you're like a, a thrill seeking diner, mm-hmm. um, you combine that with bungee jumping. So when you're done, you whoop. Yeah, they just flick the switch and then you bungee down to the ground. That's an interesting thought. I just think like uh, over the past year, how many times have we gone out to dinner? Not a lot, but all including travel and stuff. Well, okay. So let's say I'm just picking a number, not uh, very representative of our actual lives, but (laughs) let's say we went out to dinner 12 times in the last year. How many of those times did I get up during dinner to go pee? Like at 160 feet off yeah. the air, the ground, I don't think that they have that opportunity. That's that's an excellent point. Maybe that's built into the chair. Oh, maybe. So you can eat and you know just pee. Sure. Just do that. What's below you though? Well, it would be like little bedpans. Oh, that like would a little, okay. eventually become my shoes. So you're sitting next to someone who might be urinating while you're enjoying your soup. Hey, you're 160 feet in the air. Who the hell cares? I guess there's a good chance that people are urinating anyway. I would be. Yeah. At least. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) that's that's, uh, uh, dinner in the sky. So the safe house, safe house originally began in Milwaukee or Milwaukee uh, (laughs) with an additional location in Chicago. And it's not uh, the easiest place to eat because there's no outside signage. Now, this reminds me of an idea that you had for a bit that we discussed. Oh, the um, um, speakeasy idea. Yes. Where, yeah, it's a bar, but you can't get in unless you know the password. Right. Yeah, it's very exclusive. See, uh, this place, there's no outside signage. There's a very nondescript uh, plaque that says something about an imports-exports company. The company is not real, but that is your only indicator that that is the entrance to the restaurant. Um, It's very easy to walk right past. And once you're inside the decoy door, you'll need (laughs) the password to be able to get into the real door. If you're without the password, 
for getting past security, a guard will then ask you to perform a series of tasks before letting you inside. I don't know what those tasks are, but it says they're fun. (laughs) So I guess that's uh, debatable. Is this like like a 1920s gangster kind of theme? Because that's how I was envisioning my concept. No, not really. But it does have a large collection of spy memorabilia. Well, that's cool. Um, which is a lot of fun. Um, when you get past the password section, you're then in uh, a space with hidden doors, two-way mirrors, a secret labyrinth <laughs> of corridors. So it's like a combination of a sizzler and an escape room. Kind of, yes. Cool. Uh, but along the way, you're going to find a lot of fun stuff. Like I said, there's spy memorabilia. Uh, you can see a piece of the Berlin Wall that they have on display in this labyrinth. Cool. Um, a guitar that was featured in the film Austin Powers. It's a, a <laughs> it's real a, it's an eclectic real mishmash. Collection, which is not easy to say. <laughs> um, the the restaurant asks that you don't share a lot more than this about your experience, mm. uh, like on social media and such, because they want to keep it fun and exciting. And, you know, so uh, there's not a, a ton going on uh, as far as details, but it is uh, certainly unusual and it sounds like it's a blast. And I hope that we can find one someday. The lockup is in China, and it is, uh, it's like, it, they have food, but it's more of a drinks place. So it's kind okay. of like a lounge, okay. let's say. And there you can um, enjoy food in the main room mm-hmm. or in the quote unquote dungeon room. So that's your choice. Uh, before you sit down, though, for your, your delicious Snickies, uh, you must walk through a corridor where things basically will jump out at you and scare you. <laughs> and uh, then when you get to the actual restaurant, there's a waiter dressed as a police officer who will arrest you after you inevitably confess to your crime. Uh, and if you're in a group, only one of you will be handcuffed, and then the whole group is led to the table. See, they have a restaurant like this in North Korea, but instead, at the end, you don't get dinner. They just, you know, put you in prison camp. Oh, it's a very authentic experience. Uh-huh, I'm sure. It sounds great. At some point during your meal, probably, the lights will start flashing, sirens will go off because someone has escaped, <laughs> and then you get to watch police officers run after and catch them and, uh, and then re-arrest them while you finish your food. So can you actually get out of this place <laughs> when you're done eating, yes. or do they just keep arresting you and bringing you back? No, no. You, you get to leave. Okay. Huh. Like every other restaurant that, that you eat at. Okay. It's a themed restaurant. All right. That's what we're talking about. I understand. I just don't know how far they're taking the, the whole theme concept. Okay. So there's a restaurant in London called Danse Le Noir. D-A-N-S-L-E-N-O-I-R. Danse Le Noir. All right. I learned Spanish. Mm. So um, <clears throat> at this restaurant, food is served in a dark room. So dark that you cannot see your hands in front of your face. <laughs> and uh, it's on purpose. The wait staff at this restaurant are visually impaired. And the first of these restaurants were opened in Paris in 2004 with the aim of allowing those who have sight to experience what it would be like to dine blind. That's an interesting idea. Another goal here, and an amazing one, is to provide opportunities for jobs 
yeah. for those with visual impairments. That's fantastic. Which is amazing. Yeah, that's it a- just created this opportunity and boop, here we go. Incredible restaurant experience and done. I heard a story about a restaurant that, and it may have been in England, it, it may have been, where you dine totally nude with a stranger, but they turn all the lights out and the waiters are sight impaired. So you get the experience of eating with a stranger totally naked, but you never see who the other person is. Uh, is that a thing that people want to do? I don't know. I'm not sure if that's still around or not. It seems like more of a pop-up event. Yeah. Oh, wait. I see what you did there. All right. So when guests arrive at this restaurant, they're instructed to leave their phones and any other sort of torchy type uh, Mm. items Mm. in a locker. And then they have to get in line with the hands on the shoulder of the person in front of them. The line is then maneuvered through the dining area with the assistance of the servers. And and then you're seated and you order and you eat and it's completely dark. Well, you certainly don't have to worry about plate presentation at that restaurant. Sure. As long as the food is on the plate. Getting food in your teeth. (laughs) That's true. You know, if you... uh, Have to get up to go pee. You don't have to do that. You know, again, you you should wait to urinate until you're in a restroom. Like, that's just common courtesy across the board at any restaurant that you're going to. (laughs) Since when? All right, let's talk about dining with Captain Condom. Okay. So there's a restaurant called Cabbages and Condoms in Bangkok. That sounds like a terrible salad. It's uh, not just a restaurant, it's an educational experience. There's a Christmas tree decorated in condoms. There's a Santa Claus there (laughs) sporting a condom beard. (laughs) And of course, there's Captain Condom. The restaurant was opened by... PDA, which is the Population and Community Development Association, who wanted to educate the public about birth control. And they thought birth control should be as easy to get as cabbages. Okay. They set out to make a combination uh, learning experience and restaurant, and the proceeds go toward the community HIV AIDS outreach programs and safe sex awareness programs. So the entire restaurant is uh, condom themed. So the wait staff is wearing inflated condoms as hats. Uh, they've got condom shaped light fixtures. At the end of your meal, guests receive a condom instead of a mint. Do they wrap up the evening with uh, the entire staff singing a song, like on a cruise ship? I don't think so. They don't have a Captain Condom song? It sounds like some really unreasonable expectations that you're setting for Captain Condom. Well, he is a captain. I'm saying not all captains sing. Some rip the roof of your mouth off. Captain Crunch, you're right. Yeah. So what I wondered, though, is if the condoms at the end of your meal are mint flavored. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, if you (laughs) if you want to uh, learn a little bit about uh, sexual safety and also enjoy a delightful uh, themed meal in uh, Bangkok, uh, check out (laughs) Captain Condom Cabbages and Condoms in Bangkok. Bangkok, and uh, you can actually uh, get a free checkup after your meal really? if you're interested Interesting. in getting tested. Nice. 
The time has come, the walrus said, to speak of many things, of shoes and ships and sealing wax and cabbages and condoms. Oh, you're in a weird place today. I am in a weird place today. <laughs> I like it. Is that from Alice in Wonderland? Well, it's Lewis Carroll, yeah. Okay, well, that's what I have. Weird restaurants. <laughs> that was weird. And now, that thing in the middle. Well, let's stick with the uh, the whole food theme here. Thing in the middle, stuff that's in your food that you're eating and you probably don't even know. Oh, this is upsetting and I don't want to know about it. Number five, there's human poop. La, 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 not listening. In the cocoa beans. The FDA, FDA allows 10 milligrams of actually mammalian feces per pound of processed cocoa beans. That's terrible. Number four, Honey Nut Cheerios. Uh, this is not what it does contain, but what it does not contain. Nuts. Didn't it used to? Honey Nut Cheerios contained ground almonds until about 2006, but now their nuttiness uh, comes from natural almond flavor, which is really peach and apricot pits. <laughs> what? Okay. I guess if you just tell someone this tastes like nuts, then... Yeah, it's good enough. Yeah, it's fine. Be like, oh, yeah, this tastes like nuts. Number three, pineapples contain bromelain. That's an enzyme that breaks down protein, which is why you get that rough texture on your mouth. Yeah. After eating pineapples, that doesn't explain the Captain Crunch-related injuries. I read once that uh, pineapple's one of the very few foods that eats you while you're eating it. Yes. <laughs> in fact, if you take like a, a piece of steak and put it in pineapple juice. Great A steak? Could be. It turns into mush if you leave it in there long enough, which is why in pineapple um, processing plants, workers are required to wear gloves wow. because the pineapples will eat them. Gummy bears. This is why I have such a hard time with gummy bears. There are so few that I can actually eat, and I love, love gummy bears. But gummy bears are made with animal bones and skin, so they are on my cannot-eat list. Uh, the primary ingredient is gelatin and uh, collagens and gel gelatin, which is derived from boiling pig skins and the bones and tissues from cows. No, thank you. No, thank you. And number one, most of your tomato paste that you buy is mold. What? Or it could be. Oh. Tomato paste, according to law, can contain up to 45% of mold on average. Oh. Yeah, that's pretty generous. But even though that's pretty generous, uh, Hunt's has exceeded the legal limit at times in the past and were forced to do a product recall because there was more than 45% of mold. What? in their tomato paste. That's terrible. Canned tomatoes freak me out anyway, though. I know a lot of people use them, and I, I probably enjoy your delicious food stuffs, mm. but I don't like cooking with canned tomatoes. Freaks me out. What about those canned whole chickens? Have you seen those? You can buy an entire cooked chicken in a can. Why, though? I don't know. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. 
Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? <sighs> Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away and my daughter is expecting a child and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout and you will save thanks aura frames for bringing my family a little bit closer hey there i'm dylan lewis one of the hosts of motley full money each weekday on motley full money we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on wall street on weekends we dive into the industry shaping tomorrow and host the experts authors and executives that understand them tune in for insights a long-term perspective on investing and of course stock ideas plenty of them to quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Made with space-age polymers that leave no aftertaste, this is The Box of Oddities. Um, so, uh, what, what do you have um, for me? Well, to start with a, an email, this came in uh, today from Jeannie. You were talking about We've mentioned this a couple of times. When you were a kid, you would take spices from your mom's cupboard and go down to the stream on the property that you lived and try to mix up some kind of a cure for cancer. Yeah. Well, Jeannie says, 
cat. Yes. I used to create cures for cancer as a kid, too. Yes. My mixtures usually contain some baby powder, Gene Nate body splash. Is it Gene Nate or Jean Nate? Or how do you pronounce that? I don't know. All right. Baby powder, body splash, and Hershey's chocolate syrup. Yes. And other kitchen ingredients, I'm sure. I could never get anybody to try it. Go figure. Oddly enough, the uh, NIH has never come a calling. That's so weird. Yeah, no, it wasn't just spices. I mean, I, I want to be clear. Uh, oftentimes, my uh, concoctions would be crafted in the bathroom. because that's one of the few places where people would leave me alone. (laughs) And so then I could just take all the bathroom product and mix them into like one bowl and ta-da, you no longer have scabies. Wow. Yeah. You know, I was... I was sure that if someone would just try it, I, I would inevitably <laughs> yeah. have saved them from something. Yeah, you, you would have been the modern day... Um, I was a Louis Pasteur. Probably I would have just poisoned people. Yeah, that's probably yeah, more likely. Anyway, here we go. Here's my story for you. I'm going to tell you a story of a guy named John Parker. Hi, John. John was born in Frederick County, Virginia, way back in 1830. And Parker moved to Washington as a young man. Originally earning his living, he was a carpenter. He would go around and uh, build stuff in a very young city. Why are you looking at me like I'm crazy? What did you say his last name was? Parker. Oh. When you said he was a carpenter, all of a sudden I changed his name to John Carpenter. No, no. And so I was like, whoa, that's weird. But that's just not. You thought that was the sum and substance of my entire story. It's <laughs> a guy named. Neat? <laughs> he's a guy named Carpenter, and he was a right. carpenter. Uh. <sighs> Anyway, he uh, he carpened for a while in uh, in a very young Washington D.C. Okay. In 1861, the Metropolitan Police Force was organized, the very first police force in D.C. Okay. Now Parker became a cop, but he was a terrible cop. He was he had to be one of the worst cops. Was it because force. he couldn't th- stop thinking about carpentering? Maybe he was distracted by his wanting to. Woodwork. I don't know. He was brought up on charges in front of the police board many, many times. All kinds of different charges that really probably should have got him fired. According to Smithsonian Magazine, he received nothing more than an occasional reprimand. Here are some of the things that this guy did to become one of the worst officers ever. Okay. First of all, little things. Like he used, as they said, intemperate language. Oh, God. He was always drunk on duty. He was once charged with sleeping on a streetcar when he was supposed to be walking his beat. But his excuse was that he had heard ducks quacking on the tram and had to climb on board to investigate, and then he got sleepy. Well, the gentle rumble of the trolley must have lulled him lulled into, him into a, a, a restful <laughs> amongst a flock of ducks dreaming. that was good enough for the board they dismissed that um he was also brought up on the charges of frequenting a local brothel and his argument for that was that ducks. there were ducks in there there were chicks in there ah! but his his, <laughs> his response was i didn't want to go there um i was answering a call from the proprietress no, that seems fair. So why are we talking about this guy, besides the fact that he was a terrible police officer? In 1864, the Washington police force created the first permanent detail 
to protect the president. This was the very first incarnation of the Secret Service. What I'm sorry, what year now? 1864. Okay. The Protective Service was made up of four officers, and somehow, out of all the officers they could choose from, John Parker was named to this detail. Parker was the only officer that had a horrible record. Everybody else had this really great established record as a law enforcement official. And then him. So it was pretty tragic coincidence that they gave the assignment to guard the president at Ford's Theater to this guy. I was doing the the numbers in my head, and I was like, well, that seems right. But maybe it's because, like, in my head, when someone says, oh, president in the 1800s, I think Lincoln. Yeah, it was Lincoln. Um, Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. But to be fair, I didn't know that it was Lincoln until you said Ford's Theater. Okay. Uh, I thought it might be because in my head, his presidency spanned 100 years. <laughs> that's how he got so much shit done. Right? Well, For a while, know, I thought it was because a... of his height. No, but that's an excellent observation. No, he was a time traveler and a vampire slayer. Oh, sure, sure, so. sure. Anyway, <laughs> so Parker gets this detail to watch Abe and uh, Mary Todd to guard them while they're at Ford's Theater. It didn't, the whole day got off to a terrible start. He was supposed to be there to relieve the former, uh, the, the previous guard mm-hmm. at four o'clock. He was supposed to take over at four o'clock. He didn't get there until seven. He was three hours late. Wow, for the president's for the, duty? For the president's duty. Wow. So the Lincoln party arrived late. You've heard the story that yeah. they seated him during the play. Well, one of the reasons was his freaking bodyguard was three hours late. So <sighs> so this guy, to a certain extent, was responsible for the president being late to the play, which what, was our American cousin. Was he trying to save the president? Did he know that something was going to happen and tried to keep them from going? That would have been a great theory. But no, I think he was just drunk. Oh, was he drunk because he knew something was going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> so, so they come in. The president's party, there were four of them, and then John Parker. They get into the box, the right side of the stage, and uh, you've heard the story. The actors paused while the orchestra started playing Hail to the Chief. So Lincoln stood and he bowed, and uh, the audience applauded wildly, and then he took his seat, and the play resumed. That's so nice. I just like that whole idea, that procedure. Like, mm. holy shit, the president's here. We gotta stop. It's just a it's a magical idea that that the office held that kind of respect. Respect. Yeah. So they sit down, the play resumes, Parker takes up his position outside the president's box. He was sitting the, the, he closed the door and he sat outside of the box in the hallway next to the door to guard that door. But he couldn't see the play. So he decided that uh, after the, the you know, Lincoln party settled in that he would uh, move to the first gallery so he could enjoy the play too. So he, he's down there for a little while and then he realizes, you know, there's probably even a better seat next door at the bar. No. Yeah. So he just left? He left. Why didn't I know this? Apparently, he ran into the footman and the coachman of Lincoln's carriage, and uh, they said, 
hey, we're going over to the Star Saloon next door. Let's go have some drinks. And so off he went. Ironically, while he was there drinking, also in the bar was John Wilkes Booth. Right. Down on a few shots. Getting ready. Getting ready to go do his dirty deed. Dirty deed never sounds not sexual to I me, know. by the way. So Booth, of course, goes into the theater. He goes up to Lincoln's door to yeah. the box. Parker's chair is empty. He knows the play. So he knows a big laugh is coming. Mm -hmm. So he waits until there's this big laugh, and then he shoots the president in the head. And we all know the outcome of that. But nobody knows for sure if Parker even ever returned to Ford's Theater that night. Oh, wow. There's no record of him ever coming back. So I'm thinking he was involved. That's, you know, my first thought. But apparently nobody else thought that. They just thought he was a, a dingus. Do you think maybe he heard the commotion going on, heard what had happened? Because obviously people were probably screaming, you know, the president's been shot, the yeah, president's yeah. been shot, and he just tootled his ass out of maybe. there. It could be. It could be. But there's also the theory that even if he had been in his chair, John Wilkes Booth was a very famous actor, mm. and he it was a very good chance, you know, certainly in those days it wasn't as... The security wasn't anywhere near as tight as it as it is today. It's very possible, very likely, in fact, that the um, security guard would have just let Booth in because he was he was like a like a movie star in those days. He was extremely famous. It would be you know to see him walking around would be like seeing Keanu Reeves. I was going to go more for Rob Schneider, but yeah, sure. Would I let Keanu Reeves in to see the president? There's another great question to ask somebody at the grocery store. Hey, let me ask you this. If you were guarding the president mm. and Keanu Reeves wanted to get in and say hello, would you let him in? I I would have to say no. Yeah, I'm going with no. Because I don't know the president's uh, thoughts on Keanu. Would he be happy to see Keanu? Or would he be like, after point break, you really, you know, yeah. you just didn't do anything <laughs> good anymore? Well, no, because there was the Matrix after point break. Matrix was garbage compared to point break. I'm not going there. I'm not taking your bait on that one. What? Anyway. So people seem to be making excuses for this guy for, right. for whatever reason. But not William Crook, who was one of the other three bodyguards for the president. He held Parker directly responsible for Lincoln's death. Quote, he had done, if he had done his duty, I believe President Lincoln would not have been murdered by Booth. And that was in uh, Crook's memoir. He's all, he went on to say, Parker knew that he had failed in duty. He looked like a convicted criminal the next day. Oh, well, good. He should know. So Parker, that's some bullshit. <laughs> Parker was charged with failing to protect the president. But the complaint was dismissed a month later. What? No local newspaper followed up on Parker and whether or not he was involved. Nobody knows why he was let off so easily. It's it's baffled historians. That's really interesting. It could be, they think that... His long history of shittiness? <laughs> well, that probably in a weird way helped him. But they think that people were more focused on getting Booth Got at it. that point yeah. and his co-conspirators. And in that uh, chaotic aftermath, he didn't seem like an important um, guy to really pursue wow 
Incredibly, not only was the charge dismissed, but Parker remained on the White House security detail even after the assassination. That's insane. And at least once, he was assigned to protect the grieving Mrs. Lincoln. No. Before she moved out of the presidential mansion. I would be shocked that she would allow that. Mm. Doesn't she seem like the type who'd be like, you get out of here. Well, pretty close. That's my that's my Mrs. Lincoln accent, by the way. <laughs> Mrs. Lincoln's dressmaker. I don't want to see your face. Mrs. Lincoln's dressmaker, former slave Elizabeth Keckley, recalled this exchange between the two of them. Mrs. Lincoln said to Parker, So you are on guard tonight, Mrs. Lincoln yelled. On guard in the White House after helping to assassinate the president. Yep. As an aside, did you know, I think I mentioned this to you, I found this fascinating. Once when uh, Lincoln was assassinated, Mary Todd wouldn't leave the White House. Yeah. For an extended period of time. And... Uh, Johnson did his presidenting over at the Treasury Department. Right. And said, I mean, who's going to make her go? Give her some space, he right? said. That's just, that's a that's a rough thing on many levels. You know, it's uh, the president's wife. Mm-hmm. There's that emotional thing. There's also the, the status of being the first lady. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you kind of got to give her a little slack there. And then there's the fact that it was Mary Todd Lincoln, yeah. who probably you didn't want to fuck with. Mm. She was... She was a... She was... Let's uh, say sprightly. In a depressed sort of way, yes. So she says this to Parker, and he said, according to the witness... I could never stoop to murder, much less to the murder of so good and great a man as the president. I did wrong, I admit, and have bitterly repented. I do. I did not believe anyone would try to kill so good a man in such a public place, and that belief made me careless. Aww. Lincoln, uh, Mrs. Lincoln went on to say that she would always consider him guilty and ordered him from the room. Weeks after the assassination, she had written a letter on Parker's behalf to exempt him from the draft. So I guess she forgave him. Uh, some historians think she may have been related to him on, on um, her mother's side, which is oh, really interesting. Which would have been how sh- he got the detail in the first place? It could be. I, I didn't connect those dots, but that could very well be. Hmm. Something to consider. So Parker, after he was uh, fired, Parker remained on the... Uh, police force in D.C. for three more years after uh, he left the Secret Service. But his uh, his history and his track record finally did him in. He was fired on August the 13th in 1868, uh, this time for sleeping on duty. So he was responsible in many ways for things that led up to the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, and he didn't get fired. Mm. What finally did him in was sleeping on duty. I don't know. At that point, he went. He got back into carpentry. Oh, good for him. He died in Washington in 1890 of pneumonia. Oh, I thought maybe he fell asleep on a circular <laughs> saw or something. Parker and his wife and three children buried together in the Capitol's Glenwood Cemetery on present-day Lincoln Road. I have a question. By the way, their graves are unmarked for reasons Aww. that you can only imagine. No photographs have ever been taken of John Parker. So he remains this faceless character, even though he was responsible for this huge American tragedy. And he's largely forgotten. People don't know about this guy or 
this story because it just kind of faded away. That's really interesting. I got most of this information from uh, the Smithsonian Magazine. You know what else is interesting? We're going to the Smithsonian (laughs) uh, Museum of American History in just days. Just days. Actually, when this episode runs, we will be at the Smithsonian. fucking God, God, God. (laughs) I'm too excited. I'm too excited. We saw Abraham Lincoln's hat. (sighs) Yep. It's one of my favorite places to to go. It's so good. Smithsonian. I'm, hey, hey, hey kids. All right. Hey kids. It's Aunt Kat. I'm here to talk to you about the Smithsonian. You gotta go. It's one of those things that'll change your life. You can't touch Mars, goddammit. You can't touch Mars. This has turned into one of them AMSR videos. It's ASMR. Why can't you learn about the thing that I love? Thanks for hanging out with us again, you guys. We look forward to seeing you next time. Oh, yes, until then. (laughs) (laughs) Keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. Yeah, beautiful. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True. That is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2020 All Rights Reserved 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 10 No, just 9 (laughs) Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed.